Yeah, thanks so much for doing this, man. It's uh, I'm sure you're sort of like you know, it's strange kind of. Uh, having been so high from the last event and the last everything and then all of a sudden sort of that transition back to reality you know of like uh, okay what was the grind again you know what were, what were we doing all the time uh, yeah yeah for sure there's always that big high and all that stimulation and stuff that goes on on those big weekends but I like my normal day to day routine so much it's pretty easy to get back to it yeah hey and by the way just uh I love your your podcast. You guys are doing a, a great thing. It's really fun, and uh, I appreciate very much too. Like just the um, how do I how do I explain this? You guys are clearly <laughs> like like uh, sort of psychedelic visionaries as much as you are sort of like these kind of uh, uh, people in the in the fight game, you know. And uh, you know, I think about. I hate to say things like when I was your age, right? But yeah. when I was your age or a little younger, you know, I, all that sort of seeking, right? Um, in those ways, I was very much doing. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't doing, I, it wasn't married to a healthy lifestyle and a lot of the other sort of uh, conscious kind of elements uh, that I think you guys have sort of rounded out as part of your kind of collective team uh, sort of focus or mentality. So it's, it's just really cool for me to see uh, what, what you guys are doing in terms of just uh, openly and humbly kind of, you know, seeking and expressing and figuring out and 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 doing it in sort of an unabashed sort of hum, humble type of way you know it's, it's it's been really cool to sort of see you guys come up and um uh and we're just really glad to have you man so it's thanks for being here yeah no problem guys i'm pumped to be on um one of the things like you know to what brian was just saying uh you know with the time uh over these like two years basically that sean's been uh you know having trouble with usada and not able to compete I've been watching the podcast and following you guys every week when you guys are doing your show and talking about all the training you're doing and, you know, doing the cold water baths at night and, and meditation and, you know, you're doing like your daily readings and all this kind of stuff. And it's interesting because like when you're when you're sort of at that for that long and fo I'm following along as you guys are doing this it's almost like you guys are sort of just doing it for its own sake because on some level you didn't have the next thing in mind about what you could be doing. What was, what was it? Did it, did it help free you up to not have a, an event that you were getting ready for necessarily or, and, or was it just a great coping mechanism to, to just dive into training for its own sake while you were essentially killing time before you'd figure out what the next step was even going to be? Yeah, I, th I think so for sure. We don't do too much fun stuff. Like the fun <laughs> stuff going, going to train jiu-jitsu. And out of jiu-jitsu, it's fun just learning little ways to recover. And um, we've had, we're so lucky that we have the internet and podcasts these days to learn from people like Tim Ferriss and Paul Check and all these, these great teachers we get to learn from. And just taking little stuff from them, like from Tim Ferriss, learning how to his morning routine and then his nighttime routine and then getting our morning routines dialed in with the cold plunge and with um, stretching and meditation and reading and then having good night routines, really shutting off our stimulation, um, not being on our phones all night, monitoring that and just doing all those things, all those little things and how much they add up and how fucking good we feel doing all those things. It's like, man, we, be, we might as well just keep building and doing all this stuff because every day we're in such good moods. We have such good energy. We're good partners to our girls. 
um, all our relationships in our life are really good. And that that's kind of the main was the main focus for us. Yeah, it's like the evidence of all that sort of hard work and good decisions starts to just be so apparent that there's nothing externally to even argue with internally what you might be going through because you know you you earned it right and you you mm-hmm. you, you sought it out and you figured out a lot of puzzle pieces. I'm curious like do you guys have uh, do you guys have anything that you've employed perhaps as a practice that maybe you read in a book or got inspired by from somebody else or whatever and thought, man, that's the shit. We're going to do that. Let's try that. And then it's just been a miserable failure. <laughs> uh, not too bad. Cause the, like I said, if we try and it doesn't work out yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. The, the biggest thing that both of us taken away, um, from, doing all this biohacking type stuff um is like the meditation the constant meditation practice we've been doing with sean and you saw him in that fight leading up to the fight he looked so ice cold Mm -hmm. he looked like he was in a completely different place totally he just let his body go he was just completely in the moment let his body go and do what we trained it to do and you could see it it was pretty impressive he didn't even breathe out of his mouth that whole fight he just breathed out of his nose yeah, he was in, it was really intense, man. I mean, for for people, you know, a lot of people follow us who are into fighting or they train themselves. Um, but a lot of people who follow the podcast are more into creative stuff and aren't even necessarily fans of MMA. But so I just to let people know, um, uh, Sean had a great comeback fight uh, on Saturday night. And he was just I mean, it was basically you couldn't have asked for a better reintroduction to the fan base. Um, but one thing, you know, as I was saying, you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot and been able to follow this whole journey because you guys have done so much cool stuff via your podcast which is also on uh, YouTube and um, also your uh, like your Twitter account and things like this so like it's one of the things that, that you know you guys have been able to do really well that that we know is as important as winning these fights is that you guys have been able to like create a storyline with a compelling character with compelling characters in terms of you guys podcast and the, the sort of, you know, chemistry you guys have between you, you know? Um, and then some of the things Sean's done with his various endorsements that sort of are on brand for him, like the tie dyed boxing gloves and things like this, <laughs> you know I mean? It just, you guys have done a whole bunch of really smart things in the meantime. And, and I was telling you, I was, when I was texting you earlier, I was talking about the athletic, the man in the myth podcast, which I'm a big fan of. And Brian is too. They were just talking about you. They were talking, they recapping the whole night and they got to talking about you guys. And they were saying like, man, like that, the whole story around that fight, the whole week was like on fire. Like this guy had never gone anywhere. And I think it's because you guys kind of did a great job of not going anywhere, making sure that you maintained the kind of buzz that Sean already had going and then fleshed it out for us. And really, I mean, I feel like if you're a fan of Sean O'Malley, there's a whole lot that you know about his day-to-day life and it's fucking fascinating and you're 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 on your I mean you're, I'm invested in that story and <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that latest chapter was the fucking doozy <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I said these last two years couldn't have couldn't have worked out better in our favor it, it was so good for him mentally to go through that and have to learn how to live without fighting and not be so attached to fighting is all I have in those two years he figured out like man i I have my my wife, I have my my friends, I have a roof over my head, I have so many good things to focus on, not just I need to fight, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I've 
I just think I heard him say something along the lines once of just like happiness is just being able to like hang out with my dogs and water my plants or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's cool to see somebody so young that gets it because um, irrespective of fighting or any pursuit, you know, everybody's got their own sort of thing that they're pressing forward on through life and trying to figure out and do better, um, you know, for themselves and for others or whatever. And it takes a long time for people to arrive at that kind of a simplicity or a baseline sort of uh, ammo for just kind of living. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, adopt some sort of, uh, you know, now I'm in this cult or I don't know. <laughs> like you, you don't have to do all this. Uh, it doesn't have to be like sort of even organized or, or right. of any orthodoxy, right? Like it's just to just understand some very baseline things. And I also have noticed um, there's a, there's a way of looking at sort of the notion of gratitude that I think you guys have both really dialed into that it took me a lot longer to figure out than what you guys are already sort of tapped into in terms of like where, where gratitude comes in. It's not like saying to yourself sort of, I'm thankful for this as much as it is sort of having like a, a current that kind of runs through you in some kind of way. It's something that you have to really uh, really kind of sink your, your, your thought and your mindfulness or whatever you want to call it, like into it. So it's just cool, man, to see, you know, I, I'm so glad that I was not anywhere on a world stage when I was in my twenties or early thirties. I can just say that because, uh, I, I would have, uh, it would have been terrible, uh, whatever I was doing. So, uh, so it's cool. Like, do you feel like any, especially you being, you know, uh, you know, a, a fighter and a coach, right? I mean, like in, in this burgeoning sort of partnership, uh, over years now, like, do you feel like that for you, um, this is the path and this is the way, or are you already seeing sort of a lot of forks and a lot of, uh, opportunities or, or maybe even completely different lifestyles that you might want to live at some point, or is it something where you're just so into this fighter mentality and fight camp and training and teaching and uh, you know all of that that that's kind of all you you can allow yourself to see perhaps yeah and i i think like i said if there was no such thing as money no that money wasn't even a currency or anything i would still just be at the jujitsu gym every day still helping out my students and a lot of my students now i just try to teach them a lot of them want to do jujitsu for a living or want to fight for a living. And I just try to teach them, but if that's your true passion, then you should just get used to living minimally, Uh minimally. You don't need a nice car. You don't need brand new clothes. All you need is money for good quality food and to be at the gym. And I think that, and being able to give that back to my students and give jujitsu back to my students and create this community, a lot of probably 50% of my students at my gym have came from the podcast so they know the type of mindset we have. So it's a community of people that are we're all like-minded, uh-huh. super positive people, not materialistic, not big egos, and all of us together being around each other is just a it's a fun spot to be around. That's really cool, man. I I, re- I think that's really interesting that you've you know been able to like you know fuel your your roster of students like through the, that podcast. And what a kick-ass filter for some kid to come to you, you know, or adult, whatever. I'm sure you have all types of people at, at, at your jujitsu classes, but like you know, for them to come through that fo- that filter because a lot of times when you go to a new place where you might be wanting to practice a martial art, I mean, you have no idea what you're getting into, and it, it, it it's that's a really interesting thing to think of the podcast as like the introduction that's students are getting it uh, to your place. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you opened your jujitsu uh, academy, uh, whatever, like about within the last couple of years. And then you didn't, you have to immediately move to like a pretty bigger, a bigger space. Didn't you already upgrade one time? 
Yeah, one year ago, I was teaching my own, my own jujitsu program at a, another gym. Uh-huh. So I only owned like fifty percent of it. Oh, I see. They decided they decided to cancel that program, so I opened up in a small little mechanic shop garage, mm-hmm. and uh, it filled up too quick, and we didn't have space for it. So now we we got into a, a, a bigger size space, and uh, yeah, it, it's growing quick. And like I said, it's nice because it's not just a jujitsu academy. You're gonna c- come there. You can learn how to eat healthy. You can learn how to sleep good. Um, learn, learn super important things that are going to make your life better from top to bottom with jujitsu on top of that. So I, I, I treat it as not just a jujitsu academy, a, co- a place to come and really get your life in order. You know, learn how to eat healthy, learn how to sleep, learn how to communicate with people, and learn jujitsu. That seems to be a, <laughs> that seems to be a pretty natural extension of natively sort of who you are. At least as it appears to those on the outside, you know, uh, it seems like it's pretty intrinsic to your nature that, uh, in the way that you even sort of cultivated, uh, Sean, you know, in the beginning to just, you know, what was it you were, it was something about just sort of, uh, kind of how, how teaching them how to just live right. in the very, like just to be out in the world and not totally fuck everything up or, or whatever, yeah. be nice to be, whatever it is, you know? Uh, but it seems like that you have very naturally, uh, like a coaching or a teaching or a nurturing kind of, uh, mentality about you. Is that something that you've come into as of late or in the, in the later part of your sort of development? Or is that something that you've just always naturally kind of, uh, gravitated towards in terms of yeah. help helping, you know? I think nat- naturally, even when I was a young kid at 14 years old in high school, um, they used to have high school boxing smokers, one high school against another. And I'd always be the one recruiting everyone and trying to trying to kind of be a leader. But I, like I told Sean last night at Jiu-Jitsu, I, I'm, I'm super lucky. I've got to be around such high-level coaches in my nine, ten years fighting. I got to be around Greg Jackson on the Bellator Fightmaster TV show. Robert Fallis, who is one of the great coaches. Of course, uh, yeah. Randy Couture, Chael Sonnen, all those guys. John Crouch, the head coach of the MMA Lab. Um, mm-hmm. I've got to be under Matt Lindland, Olympic silver medalist. I've got to be coached under such phenomenal top-of-the-line coaches my my whole career. And so getting to take that away and just reteach it all into these students with my own little twist has been just fucking fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like a, we, we talk about like your own little twist. I, you, you were talking about just sort of how like sometimes just even just being a little stoned helps you have sort of a particular clarity about <laughs> how you are interpreting what you're seeing from a student and then sort of how to uh, like the actual machinations or the, coming up with the verbiage for articulating what you're trying to say has actually been sort of helped or assisted in some way right by herbal supplements uh, uh, for sure. well smoke, like i said i like to smoke a little bit of a sativa before i teach and stuff and i feel like it really helps me obviously get be closer with the student but also just tr- try to see the perspective they're seeing it from and like i said everyone learns so completely different so having to change my words around and change how i'm teaching it and uh, mimic it to however they learn. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like sort of the opposite of stoner clarity that a lot of artists suffer through, which is like when you're staying up, like I'll, I'll stay up way too late, you know, working on some music or some video project or something. And I, I go into this fucking stratosphere by three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm on to gold now. Like I've got, I'm, I'm changing the world with what this beat or whatever this thing that's happening is so badass. I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. 
And then you wake up the next morning and then you turn it back. You're like, what? Oh my God. Like I've got to walk this back so many steps. I, I full, you can actually almost like see exactly where you fell off and like your process. Like, oh, and that was the decision I made that was the worst possible decision. Do you, do you think that like uh, in, in practice or in coaching or anything like that, that you have, I'm just very interested, I suppose, in like the mechanics of, of, of that in terms of like when you're, people wrongfully probably assume that coaches always just know the answer for everything and can see everything. Uh, you know, you're the coach, you're the authority, but really yeah. there's just so much learning that's got to be going on inside, uh, that sort of activity or that, that function. I guess I'm just curious about sort of ways that maybe you've, uh, or experiences you've had where you're like, you know what, like I really thought something for a while, but I was actually misguided and I've actually pulled away from that practice or that style of instruction or saying things that way, you know, and I guess I'm just curious about sort of what challenges or uh, art fights as it were that you've had with yourself about being a coach and, and where the hard learning has come. Yeah, for sure. That that's a, a thing for a bunch of coaches. Cause you're right. People look at a coach like they know everything and they definitely don't know everything. But I, my mentors, the people I'm surrounded by, like Augusto Tequino Mendez, if I'm not sure about any jujitsu problem, I, I have him a call away. I train with him a few times a week. So I get to ask him any question in the world. And he's right now the number one 145-pound gra nogi grappler on planet Earth. So having those people that are smarter than me in all these areas that I can go to when I'm not quite sure, or we have the internet. If I'm not quite sure about a position, not quite sure about um, anything, I can come home and I can do the research myself and figure out what's true. <laughs> It's funny that like the internet, I mean, what a, what a, what a concept, uh, it's, right. it's so easy to take for granted. It's usually just the thing we use to get scared of everything, but now we can actually use it for our knowledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. The, 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 with the internet, like, man, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the internet every day because I wouldn't be able to live the life I'm living without the internet. Like my parents, their parents, they never even had the opportunity to have this life and learn the things that we've got to learn just from having the internet. So I'm so thankful for it every day. Well, you know, there's a, there's another layer, I think also to that knowledge that you're talking about or the, the, you know, your gratitude for finally generationally, like now we have a whole pedagogy built on immediate access, which is really cool. But at the same time, you also learn, you know, uh, another thing I've heard you guys talk about that I really resonated with or appreciated was, uh, acknowledging sort of, uh, this wrestling with sort of the ego. Uh, and you guys had a conversation about that, that I thought was really good. And it was talking specifically about like sort of social media being kind of the manifestation of that, um, uh, of, of the ego in that way, the technology basically in these different forms can teach us, I think as much about what not to do it's not just about like instructional videos that you can get on YouTube, right? Like it, just seeing how people leverage or utilize technology can reflect a lot back to us personally or spiritually or whatever that yields a lot of information that I don't think people could really get when there was just monthly magazines or whatever. Vanity and ego were not, they were kind of like this dessert tray. It wasn't like the, the, the meal that everybody eats every day, all day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man, social, the social media, so many, I think that social media is controlling so much of people's emotions that it's not even funny and they don't even know that it's going on. That's why we've been pretty good at even 
in these days setting timers on our phones 30 minutes 30 minutes on instagram and then our, our the app completely shuts off or 30 minutes on twitter the app completely shuts off so not being glued to that because man if you wake up and grab that fucking phone and start scrolling it and that's the first thing that goes into your brain as soon as you wake up everyone else's shit everyone else's problems it's like sets your whole day up for a bunch of anxiety uh-huh yeah, no, it's interesting that you say that. I think um, uh, my jujitsu coach always talks about jujitsu as a stress inoculation. And he has this whole idea of like, if you just get up in the morning and you start your day uh, doing some jujitsu rounds, like basically you're going to, you're going to have like the worst part of your day will be over at, as soon as you leave the gym and and the whole rest of the day will be so easy. And so, you know, and also too, you obviously have, broken a sweat and you know gotten breathe you're you're fully awake now and it's still early you know what i mean but but there's something about like that starting the day you know what i mean and i really appreciate and ending the day i mean you guys make a good point about that too and i think all of that really gets back to the sleep thing and i think one of the one of the biggest things like just to echo what you said uh that that was evident on saturday night was like you know sean's still in the same weight class but he looks fucking strapping man i mean he looks big and for people who saw the fight or did not see the fight the whole ending sequence of that fight really happens because at some point they tangle up a bit and sean essentially just grabs the back of the guy's neck and just sort of follows him into the fence and just whips him onto the ground just whips him by his neck and it's like such a power strong move that i've never seen him do anything like that before and it was like that was like that was impressive you know what i mean and i think it was really a reflection and just the way he looked i mean everyone's commenting about the way he looked but i think it's really a reflection of like the just like the pure like foundational kind of health that you've helped him achieve Hell yeah. And that that's why I said we knew we were doing all the right things, but still Saturday night we had to prove it, you know, had to prove that we're doing all, all the right things. And he definitely did. And just getting started with him, you know, he's a, a special, special fucking kid, special athlete, super, super good eyes. Some of the best eyes a hum, like a human can have um, his timing. So so, so good with his timing. And he's got such good discipline. If he commits to something, he's not going to let his inner bitch talk him out of it. He's going to fucking stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think, how do you wrestle with your inner bitch, Joe? <laughs> uh, she wins a lot. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say, I was going to say, I think that part of that, you know, that obviously comes from, you know, the kind of all the kind of work and stuff you guys have done together. You guys are always like uh, diving into like this sort of like stoic philosophies about like uh, moderation and things like that. Talk a little bit about that. Like what kind of like philosophers are you guys into? There's also somebody else I'm trying to think of. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, right? You guys are in him, right? So we tell yeah. tell people who don't follow you on the podcast, like who are some of the thinkers that you guys look at? Because I think that obviously informs a lot of this kind of thing. This idea of like, hey, if you're not eating healthy and sleeping healthy, what good is the training and that kind of stuff? I mean, there's this is a lot of this stuff is like really about, you know, uh, just a moderate lifestyle where you're healthy body, healthy mind, you know, healthy fighter, you yeah. know. Um, anyway, I'll be quiet now. Good and talk. Yeah, some, <laughs> probably um, Paul Check. Paul Check's one of the big ones. Eckhart Tolle, really like him. Tim Ferriss, along with the Stoicism and the Marcus Aurelius and those kind of things. Uh-huh. Just like I said, knowing what's important in our lives. Coming home and not thinking about oh, what we don't have all the time. Just thinking about, damn, we have so much. And 
shutting off our phones at night and enjoying my girlfriend because mm. she's not guaranteed to be here every day. Mm-hmm. And I need to be super thankful when I get to lay down in bed with her or super thankful that my dogs are, are here because they could get hit by a fucking car tomorrow. So just enjoying those super simple things and just being able to live in the moment, not constantly think about what happened earlier or constantly worrying about what's what's coming up. Just being able to sit with yourself and just be in the moment. And it's definitely a practice. It's not something you just do and, okay, I'm good at it. You have to practice at it every single day. Yeah, we, we just had a – just uh, this window that's behind us here that you can see um, about 100 yards that way, uh, an a F3 tornado came through last week. Uh, and, you know, we got woken up in the middle of the night and, you know, this thing, we were all, in, no time to prepare. Um, and this, this you know, the whole, the whole place was shaking and, you know, uh, it was really freaky, man. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, like I, I have it so good. We didn't get our house destroyed. It just yeah. missed us. And then right after this and before us for a 10 mile run uh, through town, there's all these people now that are, you know, mm-hmm. no place to work, uh, don't have a home anymore, you know, traumatized no kids, you know, all that stuff. And you just, you know, you've seen a lot of this uh, lately here in Nashville. We've got sort of the, um, we did the one, two of tornado coronavirus. So, you know, we also have like, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, at least for Tennessee, you know, ground zero for, for that is, is just South of here. So, uh, it's been fun for us, uh, this week. Uh, but, but the idea is ultimately based on that being really mindful and being really aware, uh, not, a, it's so hard. Again, this kind of gets back to what you guys had talked about where it's like that, that gratitude, you have to really relish it and really sub- submerse yourself in it. It's not just something that's lip service that you just say, uh, and I think that it, unfortunately for the broader culture, it takes shit like this to just happen where like that's the you can feel the resonation of, oh, shit. Like I'm really, you know, it's not just like hashtag gratitude. I was <laughs> going like, to say, yeah, like, hashtag <laughs> gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like what age do you learn or do you, are you taught to have better conversations with yourself? You know, internal dialogue. If you got super unhealthy mindset and you don't know, like, you don't know how to let go of negative emotions and you just sit in them and you just let them take over. Yeah, it's your whole life is just not going to be good. So learning that and just like I said, learning how to meditate and learning from all these smart people, guys like Ben Greenfield or even Aubrey Marcus and yeah, doing psychedelics and smoking weed and (laughs) researching all these people. It's just, I don't know. I feel like it's put me on a pretty good path and put sugar on a pretty good path. Yeah. It's all like sort of constellations to amount to a larger perspective and then you know, anything, whatever, psychedelic or whatever, that kind of stuff is really just a way of prismatically looking through and connecting those dots in different ways, I think. Uh, but I'm just glad that when I was doing that stuff real crazy in my sort of uh, early, most experimental formative years, that there was nothing called the internet and there was no cell phones and we could actually disappear for like two or three days and nobody cared, you know, like it wasn't like, oh my God, like now if you, if you, people can't reach you within an hour, they, they, you're getting like a missing person's call. Uh, you know, so, uh, but then partly I'm thankful also that I didn't have a smartphone when I was eight years old looking at porn. Like like the kids these days, like, I don't know how they're going to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, um, uh, you know, that's, that's why we don't like Joe doesn't have any kids. I don't have any kids. Um, and, 
I'm it's being, a, we're being absolved of a lot by not having to go through that. Yeah, probably. Uh, we won't get the reward of like, you know, whatever, somebody take care of us later, but. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys both do jujitsu? Uh, just, just Joe. I'm, I'm the person that, I'm the person that, I'm the person that says I'm going to do it and then never actually does it. And then is made fun of. Yeah. You've defined yourself as that already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, we've got a great gym here. We've had a lot of those guys on. It's just a matter of, it's just a matter of, of turning that corner. I have this, I don't know. Anything I say doesn't matter about why I haven't done it. So I'm not even going to try. What, what about you? Like, can you tell us a little bit? Cause I don't even know if I'm totally clear on a lot of this stuff, Tim, but like just for our listeners who might not, you know, again, people who might not be following this as closely as we have. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the martial arts? Like when you were a kid? Yeah, I was raised a Jehovah's witness my whole life until I was, until I was 14 year old. Mm -hmm. 14 years old, my parents got divorced, and then my dad stopped being a Jehovah's Witness. And as a Jehovah's Witness, you're not allowed to play sports or do anything. And at 14 years old, my dad had all the all the UFC VHSs, and he'd watch them. <laughs> old VHSs. And I'd watch them, too. So then I started wrestling at 14 years old, and then started boxing at 14 years old, too. After high school wrestling, the day I turned 18, I had my am- first amateur fight. Um, lost my first amateur fight. I'm like, man, if I lose one more, I'll probably be done. And then won nine straight amateur fights, was going to college to be a firefighter. And then I turned professional MMA and I beat some kid up for a thousand bucks. I was like, man, this is all I can get paid doing it. So I quit going to college and started fighting. And fought for nine years. So. <laughs> you're, like, yeah. When you're young, you, that somehow translates. It's like this is easy, quote unquote, <laughs> money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We've so we, you know, we've been really fascinated with uh, how creativity sort of is a is a facet of mixed martial arts, and that's really a lot of what gave birth to this. Uh, podcast because Joe and I would always sort of be at art shows or things talking about what happened on the fights last night and correlating it to even visual art or, or whatever else. And we've had a lot of, you know, uh, various creatives here uh, on the show and then a lot of fighters also and, 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 and coaches as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, so like, can you, do you have any sort of, uh, do you have anything that you maybe do outside have ever done perhaps outside of fighting that has been like uh, a purely sort of you know creative thing any kind of writing or painting or whatever and if you haven't that's fine how does creativity sort of role how does that play a role in sort of what what you're doing now and then how do you see it kind of working out in the future but yeah yeah, like what if tell us about how you were a sculptor in italy for a while (laughs) for now though the creativity is coming I'm using a lot of it for our podcast, for our Patreon, for making my gym nice inside, teaching good classes, being creative with how I teach classes, um, being creative with, yeah, how I mold each student, um, all that kind of stuff, just being creative in, in those ways. Those, and those are the things I love anyway, so that's, that's what I enjoy doing. What did you like when it comes to being creative with like your students? I just did a workshop with a bunch of middle school kids and I'm really not I have almost no experience as a teacher, but I like looked at some 
uh, looked at some lessons. I, I just came up with these ideas and I thought, I have no idea if these are even good ideas. There must be some way for me to see somebody's good ideas. And I got online and I realized there's tons of teacher resources just all over the internet, right? So I started looking up these things about like, well, how do I teach a poetry workshop to middle school kids? And basically I found lots of stuff with examples that just reassured me that my my three or four ideas for how I could do this thing were decent and would probably be okay. <laughs> Uh, and I felt better about it and that probably helped me, <laughs> but, uh, but I, uh, but I found it to be an interesting challenge to like, just to actually be in a position where people are looking at you cause you're the one teaching and I don't do that much. So like when it comes to just, I know it's, I know there's many, many things that go into it and many variables, but just in general, like what have you learned about teaching from, from your doing your classes and things? Oh, just how to how to structure each class too. And there's just so in jujitsu, there's so much, so many moves and I've been doing jujitsu now for 10 years. So I, I have so much information <laughs> that it's just important to not over teach. So if I, I teach the most important things in jujitsu are obviously your basic fundamentals, learning amount escape, learning guard pass one, learning how to get your guard back from side control. So I really want all my students to have just a, such a solid foundation. And then once they have that solid foundation, it's, it's going to be easier to build on that. So it's um, not, like I said, over teaching and giving the, the, them way too much information to not comprehend it. Giving them super simple information and going from there. Yeah, so are you employing any sort of, uh, sort of video or other things into sort of how to catalog your knowledge? You know what I mean? Like that's, a, that's, a, that's the infinite challenge, right? Like how do I replicate myself and my, my knowledge in some way because you have to scale eventually? Have you, I mean, I'm not saying like, where's the next instructional video? Like, you know, yeah. uh, although that would be cool if you made one in like an 80s totally theme, like with only on VHS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That like, would be rad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a uh, go to like some cable like small go to Kansas and film it in like a cable access TV studio so it's right. got that look you know that sort of yeah. between two ferns style uh, <laughs> but yeah like has, has video or anything else sort of uh, created a role besides your podcast right uh, yeah. and, and has that played a role in your instruction or expanding your, your knowledge yeah for sure on our Patreon our Patreon we're going to be releasing techniques and full video mint sessions and full striking sessions on our Patreon. Oh, that's right. So. Oh, I thought that was just going to be like where you get the, the really juicy podcast stories that you guys are like okay. holding back where it's like, yeah. you can see each other where, you know, you guys are like, Oh, that's actually one for the Patreon. So yeah, that's really rad. So actually your Patreon, <laughs> you're using your Patreon more as like a way to kind of almost like expand your, your, your camps in a way so that other people can sort of learn the techniques and follow along at, with their own training. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Do you see, do you see anything out there that's like, I'm not talking about like the people that are just doing weird sci-fi martial arts that are fake or whatever. Um, but like, do you see things out there in otherwise fairly legitimate gems that you just feel like is principally sort of wrong or just so different than what you believe? Like, or do you feel like it's once you're at that level that everybody's kind of in line and it's just a, a choosing a flavor of, or a style. Does that question make sense? Like, it's sort of like, I feel like that there's a wide variety of available uh, available gyms and coaches and styles, but there's always those levels that kind of get out to the fringe. Like, do you find yourself at odds with those kind of things? Yeah, 
I think I see, I see what you're saying, but since there's some jujitsu gyms that you can go online and study online and get your blue belt. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> and, and, maybe, and maybe you do know, know the techniques, but I guarantee you a hundred percent that that person that got their blue belt online is going to gas out. Right. No doubt. <laughs> so the, in the same way that like the UFC was born of sort of like bringing people off the street to validate jujitsu, um, the next wave of that will be, you guys can have an open gym and you invite all the online learners yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to come in and, and battle it out. No, 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 yeah. No rules. No rules. Yeah. No rules. <laughs> Kumite. <laughs> so I guess that's also how people get hurt. Uh, that's hilarious, man. Uh, I was gonna, what, uh, I was gonna, I'm totally lost now. I had, I had, the, I had the best question of the day and I lost it. You had the best question. That's gone. Damn it. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Hey, by the way, you know, that, uh, like just, uh, we've had pretty much the, let's see, the, I think we had the best rapper of all time on this podcast. We've had, That's right. um, you know, all kinds of weird people. I just want you to be fully aware, Tim, that I know you, you, we know a lot more about you than you know about us, but you'll know more about us soon enough. Uh, this is like, we've got Tim Welch and cool Keith on the same podcast. That's rad. I mean, that's pretty rad. Um, but yeah, and so do you do you miss uh, do you miss fighting? I mean, is that a stupid oh, question? Yeah. But like, uh, no, it's a good question. And I get asked, I get asked that a lot, and I I do miss fighting fighting a little bit, but I feel like I can make such a more of an impact um, coaching than I could fighting. Like, I, I I do believe I could win some fights in the UFC for sure here and there, but fighting is so, so selfish and I'd have to completely focus on myself yeah. and not worry about my students and not focus on, on Sean and his career because I feel like he can make such a big impact on the sport. And then with my brain behind it, helping it and our, our team sticking together just to make him a superstar and also build my Academy. These last two years are the first two years in what, 10 years that I haven't, been fighting and i've enjoyed them so so much and i think a lot of fighters like i said they attach themselves to fighting every single person you see they say when's your next fight or uh -huh. are you gonna fight again when's your next fight so they're just thinking oh man that's where i get my respect is when i fight that's where i get my respect from people so i've kind of gotten past that and just i'm pretty secure with myself you know and i enjoy what i'm doing now and I don't know. If I get the itch to fight again, I'll fight again. But right now, I'm, like I said, enjoying building up Sugar and building up the Academy and building the podcast. Right yeah. on. You're, you know, you're doing it in, a, in an interesting place, too. You guys are right outside of Phoenix. And Phoenix, you mentioned the MMA lab earlier. Um, I, you know, I think about, you know, Israel Adesanya and uh, City Kickboxing. There's all these different sort of hotbeds of of like MMA the that next are, wave. Yeah. And there, there's things around, you know, in this part of the world, there's this place and that place, you know, that are for whatever reason are like the cutting edge thing at this time or that time. What is it about Phoenix, man? I've got relatives in Sedona, so I've been through Phoenix a bunch of times, but what is it about Phoenix that makes it such a, such a, uh, like a little, you know, uh, hotbed of, of MMA training. Yeah. Phoenix is a Mecca for MMA. You have the MMA lab and there's, tons of good guys there there's good coaches you have fight ready tons of good fighters tons of good coaches um there's world champions in jiu-jitsu every few miles there's a box <laughs> miles there's a muay thai gym every few miles there's a strength conditioning place every few miles so there's just so many places and so many people to learn from here in phoenix whether it comes wrestling 
to jiu-jitsu to boxing to strength conditioning to everything so it's pretty sweet place to live yeah so like that seems like we're redheaded uh uh fair-skinned people should go right just go right (laughs) go to the middle of the desert (laughs) yeah exactly just stay in your car and stay in your house all the time (laughs) yeah like even here i I say the summer is my winter because Mm. it just gets so it gets stupid here but uh uh, but yeah, I mean, do you, do you feel like you, you miss, uh, Montana at all? Or like, how does that work? Do you feel like that there's some native part of you that's kind of still connected that you miss? Just like Daniel Cormier said on the pre-fight interviews last, he said he went and did uh, a seminar in Montana. He's like, I went to Montana. He's like, that place is at least 20 years behind. He's like, we had a potluck. We had a potluck. <laughs> right. That, that everyone's mindset is 20 years behind there. Everything is super, super behind in Montana. The nature and being outside in the summers is really nice. But other than that, it's a fucking brittle, cold place most of the time. Super small town, super small-minded people. So (laughs) I I don't really miss Montana. My my brother lives there. My dad lives there. So I like going to see them. But other than that, I I like being (laughs) – there goes there there goes your tourism montana tourism board endorsement opportunity you <laughs> yeah, just blew exactly. you just blew that entirely montana like, yeah. it's brittle <laughs> come on y'all it's brittle here where the where the <laughs> where the weather and the minds of people are brittle <laughs> and cold travel montana <laughs> travel montana <laughs> yeah man like so uh, uh, does, uh, this is a kind of roundabout question, but, um, you know, when you're talking about being a coach and how it relates to sort of supporting other martial artists, it reminds me of sort of the change that I made when I went from being a sort of a musical artist in some way to be producing and being in the studio and cultivating with somebody to sort of get the most out of them and it changed, you know, just changing the whole dynamic of it being about me to, to now, how do I just get the most out of this situation and this person and help them reflect that back to them or to an audience or whatever. It got me thinking too. Like, like, how does does music play a uh, uh, of a role in any way to like what you guys do, other than just like having jams on while you're doing rounds? But it seems like there's got to be something more there. Like, what are you guys into? What are you listening to? How does it is is music important to you? Yeah, for sure. It, and all our music um, taste isn't the same all the time. Like in the locker room. I think we were two hours away from the fight, and we had Jack Johnson playing for the majority of the time. You know who Jack Johnson is? Yeah, yeah. The, the boxer. Super laid back. <laughs> yes. Jingling backstage. <laughs> really enjoyed it, too. But then once it was time to start getting warmed up, we threw on some E-40 and some Tupac and started getting busy. So in the mornings, I like to listen to Jack Johnson and something nice and soft and calm. And then when we train, I like mixing it up. I like 80s music, 80s fucking dance music. I like rap, anything. I'll tell you what's a, uh, it's funny you're talking about Jack Johnson. I know you're not talking about Jack Johnson, the, the boxer, um, but uh, <laughs> right, but uh, a little bit more modern. But uh, I will say that there's there's a Miles Davis record uh, that's called uh, Jack Johnson that's not the same Jack Johnson. But anyway is about the boxer Jack Johnson and I always felt like if I started boxing or kickboxing or something that I would listen to that record mm. all the time so uh, if you ever have a t- you know a, a need for something new go find uh, Miles Davis's Jack Johnson record because you know for him it was like this this um, 
you know, it was the ultimate black empowerment, you know, in the earliest phases. And Miles Davis saw himself very much as like that show and mm-hmm. and, and would get, you know, sort of hassles from the man about Miles that. Davis would box hit bags and stuff. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he spoke very quietly he's all and ripped. hit very hard. He's, he's all ripped even when he's old. Yeah, 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 man. Miles Davis was ripped. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so you can see how organized this podcast you, is. Tim, um, did you uh, did you have a particular walkout song that you remember from when you were fighting? <laughs> man, I was all over the place. Just a lot of '80s dance music for for me walking out. Just fun, like Heart of Glass. I think I was <laughs> nice. Break my stride. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, all sorts of shit. Like that. My, my my friend Jason, he always said that if he was a fighter, he would walk out to uh, "I'm Only Human." <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like the ultimate, like humble. Yeah, uh, I find I like every time when, if if I'm at the gym and Eminem comes on, it always seems to be the best place to listen to Eminem. Really? Yeah. For Maybe. some reason, Eminem is just that. I think it's just that. Per- percussive delivery yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> just makes you want to start moving around hey so so what's your uh you guys have been building your your, your podcast by the way nice I've, I've been sort of checking in and and uh it's been cool to see how you guys have managed to get the, the video component in early and and all mm-hmm. that and start to kind of get a little more comfortable doing it right like we um, obviously we haven't hit the stride that you have in terms of being really good at it, but, um, nothing's going to break my stride, Tim. But, but we, yeah, we've, been, <laughs> we've been doing this a couple of years and it's interesting how, um, we really haven't changed much about what we're doing. Um, and have always been sort of trying to keep it very simple, very conversational. Uh, it can be a little weird or esoteric or it can, we can get mentally lost sometimes and that's fine. I'm sorry to drag you through that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but the idea just being that there's, there's still like little evolutions. You know, if I go back and, and check what we did when we were first starting out, it feels very unmoored compared to sort of, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, uh, that's, now, that's shocking uh, to me. Uh, it feels like that we've kind of like dialed into a particular rhythm with what we're doing. Do you feel like you've kind of gotten there with, with your, with your podcasting effort? Cause it seems like people take it, people take it for granted how quote unquote easy it is. Like just throw on some mics and you're there, but it, yeah. it's, it's as easy as it is not, uh-huh. you know? So how, how has that been going for you? It's been going good. Like I said, I've wanted to start this podcast. Even before we went on the Joe Rogan podcast, I had it in my mind to start one up. But it's like once you start getting into it and the mics and all the stuff and mm-hmm. then putting the audio and then needing a host and then we get into videos and then video camera switchers, I'm like, man, that's sound alone's its own whole world and then mm-hmm. video is its own whole world. So just trying to figure it out as we go. And we're constantly trying to like improve our podcast too. So I think next episode we'll, we'll, we've got a video switcher now so we'll have three different cameras but all that shit figuring it out on our own has been kind of tough yeah i mean it's, it's it's one of those things where it's like there's a reason why there's people that specialize in that and that that's all their jam that's all they're focused on as hard as you're training and doing all the other things that you're doing there's somebody that's like this is my shit i'm focused on video and video podcasting and all this and there's so many variables it's been really interesting actually just from a media person you know uh or media perspective just you know people like luke thomas you know running their own channels doing all their own shit figuring out all the video people that are you know, like it yeah. seems like there's a lot of people that Feroz are Ross Zahabi. 
Yeah, like there are a lot of people that have really <laughs> like taken on that that challenge, which is cool because it means that the technology is right on the cusp of being just so good yeah. that anybody can do it. But at the same time, not everybody can do it. It's a right. pain in the ass. I mean, there's a reason why we haven't uh, gone to video uh, in two years of doing this, and that's uh, well, a you can see us right now. Look at us. Like that's not going to help us at all. And then, um, <laughs> and then also it's it is just sort of like it's just this layer that I had to sort of like we we had to sort of go okay when you think about the effort of what that is versus the return, I think that most people just want to listen anyway for us. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we're going to have to kind of go that route eventually. And then you have like the consideration of doing live things or whatever. It just starts to become like a thing where you're like, God, I'm thinking about so much shit other than like what mm-hmm. is most important to what, like I'm even here to talk about or do or whatever. Uh-huh. So it's, yeah. it's been interesting to see, like maybe there's like a ceiling to how much you guys want to evolve, but it sounds like three cameras and a switcher is, is probably plateau, that right? Cool. That's as much as like anybody does. Right. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what most people do, do. But like I said, I think the main focus is just keeping improving it, improving the quality. And, uh, if we have to hire people, then we have to hire people, but also making it simple and convenient where we can just show up, sit down and turn on our shit and go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the speed of ideas and at the impulse, it's the same thing where like, even when you're just you know, setting up music, like there's a lot of times where you have to set your music gear up before you actually have an idea and want to do something because there's so much routing or there's so much connecting gear or you there's so many times where you get the impulse to do it. And then it's the same thing with podcasting, right? Where like, if you don't have everything set up, it's like the idea or the impulse killer. You got to have everything fully like dialed in. Um, but yeah, so, um, so what is the, what is on the horizon now that you've kind of got this last event under, um, you know, I, I can't remember. Are there any suspensions medical or anything? No, everything's, everything's healthy. We're going to try to get him booked as possible. It's either going to be, Probably UFC San Diego or July July 11th, I think, which International Fight Week. But preferably, he's in good shape and he's healthy. And we had just had two years off, so might as well whack out a couple back-to-back. So hopefully maybe UFC San Diego, and if not, an International Fight Week. Wow, sounds cool, man. Yeah, that's do, right. do you have a, uh, opponents that you might be interested in fighting, perhaps? Or are you guys just sort of just moving forward to whatever's next? Moving forward to whatever's next and see who the UFC offers us. But I forgot what that Chinese kid's name was from Mongolia who also got a knockout on Saturday. Um, but maybe that kid for sugar and uh, get another fight like that under our belt and then maybe shoot for some in the top 20. Well, uh, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean – it doesn't. You guys are in a sweet spot right now because you're not trying to like beat down the door of of like everything, right? Like you're just you can still just formatively and and what's naturally your momentum and your path, just get on it and be on it. I think a lot of people, to your point earlier, you know, like where it's it becomes about the identity and what you're doing next and how you're placing yourself and business considerations and all that stuff. And I know you got to be mindful and aware of that stuff, but it seems like it does take over. It's cool that you guys are in a position right now to have reasserted, you know, after that long space. And, you know, we haven't even gone into that at all, but basically I don't care who you are. If you can't do what you love for a couple of years, that's, that's hell on earth. And then it says a lot about you, uh, about, uh, how that's handled and what you do with that time. For sure. Um, and so it's just, it makes me, it made me feel good and it was inspiring to me to see 
um, how that was done. And I was really just, I was really pulling for, 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 uh, Sean because of all that. Right. I mean, and just see him, uh, in that flow state and calm and, and, you know, and to execute perfectly, I'm sure it was thrilling for you. I mean, I think I saw the, uh, like the, the, sure those camera side, uh, ringside, um, cage side, you know, like, Oh shit, you know, coach freaking out. Uh, and you know, I remember seeing you on there and thinking, man, that is the look of not just happiness for somebody else, but also I would imagine it's gotta be like a twinge of like, hell yeah. Like relief. Like we got there, we did this. Now we're, we're back locked in. Uh, it's been really cool to see, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And definitely relief's the word, but I was telling (laughs) I was telling him to throw straight punches at the end when he was hammer fisting him. I didn't want him to hurt his hand, so I was yelling straight. <laughs> but I, that was the main goal is just to get to the cage and even better yet, get out 100% healthy. So, And the goal was achieved, so that's good. <laughs> it's cool that your only coaching correction that you've been able to articulate <laughs> from the whole fight is that when you're pummeling someone mercilessly <laughs> and they're helpless, do it straight punches. <laughs> Let's really make it perfect. <laughs> um, so we would love to give listeners, uh, uh, we want to make sure we're, we'll link up all of your, 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 your things, but uh, tell people where they can find you on the gram and then the podcast. Yeah. Our podcast is on Google play, iTunes, Spotify, uh, YouTube, Castbox, and they can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Tim Welch MT. Sweet, and we'll put all the the links in the show notes. Um, do you have any questions for us? Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you feel like we've satisfied all of your 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 questions? Yeah, that, that no, that's it, guys. <laughs> Tim's good. <laughs> uh, hey, have you have you ever been to Nashville, Tim? I haven't. My buddy Scott Holtzman lives out there and Brian Barbarino, so I'd like to go out and visit them sometime. Yeah, right on. Well, if you ever come through town, like, be sure to let us know and we'll get you back on the show and, and uh, get you, like, you can come and actually hang out uh, here and do it live with us. Um, but we'll also try to get you on before then, maybe when you get a little bit closer to the next thing that you guys are going to do with, with Sugar or with your academy or whatever. I'll keep tabs on you on the podcast and uh, we'll get back in touch and do it again. Yeah. Fuck. Sounds good, you guys. All right. Hey, um, sorry. Hey, thanks, everybody. Joe, you got anything you want to plug real quick or anything? I think I'm good, man. Okay. <laughs> good. Everybody stay healthy. Everybody stay well. Yeah, the apocalypse is coming. So just, uh, you know, take the easy route. Stay home. Nobody's got to go to war just, right now. Everybody yeah. calm down. All right. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Talk soon. Bye, right. Tim. Thanks a lot, Tim. Appreciate it, man. Later. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight Podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash artfightpodcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. 
you can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.